Brother Jeff, the worship. God bless you. Good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. It's good to... There's a part of us that hungers and desires for God. Nothing else can fill it except to be in the presence of God, to worship, to feed on His Word. I'm thankful that pull is there. God bless you. I want to welcome you all this evening. Nice to see you all that are out and all that are listening in that we can't see. God bless you. Amen. I just would like to mention just a couple of quick announcements. Many of you have heard that Brother Donnie Reagan's assembly has uh, closed their services. Brother Donnie has been diagnosed with the COVID and he's requesting prayer, but we also remember his daughter. And um, we are thankful that God has kept us. That doesn't mean anyone's better. We're thankful for everyone God has healed. And we're thankful and we take it seriously and we recognize that there's an enemy at work, but whatever the enemy throws at us, nothing can stop the program of God. And we've got to have a determination that we're going to go on. So we remember our brother, and then we also had heard about Brother Bill Hirschberger. He's a brother-in-law to Danny Steeman, ministers with him. His wife was diagnosed with cancer, and we just see the enemy attacking on every front. But it just causes a greater determination. We had mentioned on Sunday to keep Brother Ron Spencer in prayer. He was just saying he felt God was doing things for him, and he had to go to the doctor today. We got this message from Brother Andrew Spencer today. He said, Dad had all his scans and MRIs of the brain today. All the doctors agree is that there are no more new lesions. Dr. Gokin and Dr. Fadul, his oncologist, agree on the findings of the radiologist report. They are very pleased. There is nothing new in the abdomen, liver, pelvis, lung, or brain. This is our God. He's doing great things. They've agreed to drop his steroids to just one pill a day. They've upped his immunotherapy chemo, chemo again. He will come back in a month. Then in three months, he will see his brain surgeon, the gamma knife radiation doctor agrees. But as well, they will wait on the final reading. But he says, we are shouting glory, hallelujah. Amen. Amen. We thank God for that. All Elijah needed to see was the cloud the size of a man's hand. <laughs> and that was enough to cause him to run and, and, and outrace the chariot. So we thank God. We believe the true report, don't we? Amen. Let's just sing another chorus as we just change and prepare for the word. Let's just sing, I need thee, I need thee. Every hour, I need thee. <clears throat> I need thee, Ah! Uh -huh. 
our heads this evening, Heavenly Father, as we've sung this song as an expression from within. Lord, we recognize that in ourselves we don't have anything, but you are our life, you are our hope, you are our faith, you are our past, you are our present, you are our future. Everything we have need of, Lord, is in you. And Father, we just want to come to you tonight. We want to cast all our cares and lay all our burdens at the altar, Lord. And we want to throw our beings before you and say, just to sit at your feet, Lord. Yes. Father, as we've gathered in here, a world outside that is preparing for a tribulation. But Lord, we're preparing to come and be with you. Lord, do what you need to do in our lives. Lord, if there's something that's not right, yes. maybe some little root, yes. maybe something we can't even see, Lord, would you come and deal with us? And Father, if there's something that we need help with, there's some encouragement, may you quicken that to us. If there's some faith that we need for a situation, Lord, may you drop it in. I pray, O oh Lord, that our gathering would not be in vain, but it would benefit everyone that is hearing and listening. Lord, you know we're men. We're human beings. We're very, very dependent upon you. Lord, we're dependent on your spirit, the spirit that wrote this word, to pick up this word, to, to minister this word, and to deposit it in our hearts. Lord, we're asking that you would just do what no man can do. And we commit ourselves, both speaker and hearer, into your hands. May you bless us now as we minister from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. We're going to turn to the book of Psalms, Psalms 119. This is the longest book in the Bible, so we're not going to read from verse 1 to verse 160. We're just going to read a few verses. So you'll all be happy to know that. But uh, Psalms 119, we're going to pick it up from verse 49. This is one of my favorite books in the Bible because I was a young man. I was in sin and I needed cleansing. And verse 9 and 10 were, were just words that were so real to me. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against me, sin against thee. Those words still are good for me today. We're going to read from verse 49. The Psalms are always such a book of inspiration. I find that there's such a transparency in David. David, who had a, was a man after God's own heart, we can see David's ups and downs. We can see his failings. We can see his distresses. We can see his rejoicings. And there's such an inspiration in it. And it's a prophetic book because David was inspired. And, and the very verses that Jesus went into the grave were what David had inspired to him. So as much as it was an inspiration from David, there's an inspiration to pick it up and there's an inspiration to fulfill it. So we're going to read from verse 49. David is saying this, Remember the word unto thy servant upon which thou hast caused me to hope. This is my comfort in my affliction. 
For thy word hath quickened me. The proud have had me greatly in derision, yet have I not declined from thy law. I remembered thy judgments of old, O Lord, and have comforted myself. Horror hath taken a hold of me because of the wicked that forsake thy law. Thy statues have been my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. I have remembered thy name, O Lord, in the night, and I have kept thy law. This I had because I kept thy precepts. Verse 57, Thou art my portion, O Lord. I have said that I would keep thy words. I entreated thy favor with my whole heart. Be merciful unto me according to thy word. And then verse 59, I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. Now just stop there for a moment and David says, I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. God bless his word. You may have your seats. Brother Branham had actually used this portion of Scripture, this last verse 59, for a couple of messages. He spoke, as I thought on my ways. And a little bit of that is where I'm going to start, but I want to go into a little bit of the the uh, time of the captivity of Israel and, and their time in Babylon and they're going in, they're coming out. I've taken that on a few Wednesdays. I'd like to do that again today. Uh, I, I want to speak, and it's, it's a, maybe a different title, but I, I want to speak on the benefit of our lamentations. The benefit of our lamentations. Now, there's, an, there's sometimes now you, you announce a title and people go, oh, <laughs> it's like when you pick up the Bible, right? You know, what book shall I read out of? I know. I'm going to go to the book of Job. How many do that? Not, not, not too many of us. But when you're in distress, you go to the book of Job. Amen. You know, how many pick up the lamentations of Jeremiah? Well, it's not often that we pick that up. There's a verse in there we all like, but who reads all the other verses? But you know what? It's in the Bible. It's part of the book. You know, it's, it's like the book of Leviticus. You know, it's sacrifice this, it's put another sheep and a bullock and do this and this. And we think, what is that? But it's all a part of the big picture. Amen. So everything serves it. So I didn't want to make it completely, but I want to call it the benefit of our lamentations. Now, Amen. Brother Branham would talk and, and he would speak a little bit here. And, and you know, if... If, if I can, I'm just going to pick up what he did say in, in this message. But he says, David was in trouble at the writing of this psalm. We are told it was during a time that Saul was threatening to kill him. His house was being watched. Saul's men were laying. They were watching to see David, that if he would come out, if he would kill them. And, and as and Brother Bannon would say, I would imagine tonight if David was walking back and forth, up and down on the floor, wringing his hands, and he says these words, usually it's when man gets in trouble that he will turn to God. He said, it's too bad it has to take those things to bring a man to recognize that he's a sinner 
or away from God's presence and blessing, and God does it that way. Now, if it was all up, all you know, it, we 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 know, you know, we sing the song up on the mountain and down in the valley. You know, you know, up in the mountain is where we always want to be, but there's times we end up in the valley. And, you know, it's, it's, as we've heard many times, it's in the valley that things are formed, that, that fruit grows, that, that God works and that God chastens and God molds and God shapes. And, and, and you know, He brings us out of that to, to go onto a mountain again. And our human nature is, I want to be on the mountain all the time. That, that's, are, I, I am, I'm, that's how I am. I'm no different. And I... And, and we don't like it, but you know, if we can recognize the grace of God to bring us into those places, to bring us in times when we reflect on things. Amen. You know, Brother Branham, often I find as a prophet, and he was thinking and, and he would reflect, and, and, and he said, as I thought on my ways, and, and Brother Branham talked, and Lord, you've always had to push me. You've, you've always had to move me. I found that when he got into that channel, Often it was in a realm where God was already dealing with him, and then God would drop something in. So I, I don't despise those things. And, you know, he was a prophet. He was like Elijah. He was moody. He had his ups and his downs. And, and the Bible tells us, you know, in the book of James, that, you know, Eli Elijah had those spells, but God was faithful to him. So God works all of these things. So Brother Adam would go on to say he, he had to go into a courtroom and he talks about, uh, he had to go and speak, he spoke to the judge before he went in the courtroom, there was a boy and, and the boy was going to receive a sentence from the judge and Brother Adam went to talk to him and he says, you know, I've, I've talked to this boy and, and, and he said he's, he wants to give his life to the Lord, he's sorry for what he did and, and he would say this and and he says, Judge, you're a just judge, and you know that one day you're going to have to stand before God and give an account for all of your judgments. And he says, but that boy, you know, the mother called me, and he says, if God will only let me out, I'll serve him all the days of my life. And the judge looks at Brother Branham, and he says, Billy, you know what? I've never sent a man to a penitentiary that wanted to be a preacher before he left. <laughs> So it's, it's, it's in those moments that our heart comes to God, that it's given to God. And so he says, and Brother Bannon would say, you see, it's when we're in trouble, we begin to think of God. It's too bad. It has to be that way, but it is that way. Now he begins to talk about Israel, and he says, when Israel got in trouble, when they had forsaken God and went after idols and doing things they would do, they turned to God and cried out. They sacrificed sheep and, and animals and cried to God night and day for mercy. And the strange thing, as it was with Israel, so it is with the church today. God will come to their rescue, and then after it's all over, they forget about it. Now, I, I'm going to turn maybe to the book of Psalms. I want you to move with me in this train of thought so I can get to the place. But I'm going to go to the Psalms 107, if you don't mind. And, and this is, it's worthwhile reading the whole thing, but I'm not, I'm going to pick up a few portions of it. But David is writing this, and he's thinking and reflecting on the cycle 
of life and how things are and how there's ups and downs. So he says in verse 1, Oh, give thanks to God for he is good. His mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I say that. You know, when I was young and, and you know, like Brother Adam would talk about the eagle and the eagle in the nest and you're with God and everything's good. And then he says that mother eagle comes in and rips the fur out. And, 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 and the eagle's got to stand by itself. The first time that happened, you know, after I was saved, it's God, it's sweet. And then all of a sudden you get some persecution or all of a sudden this happens. And I go, what did I do? But after a while you realize it was God allowing it. It was God preparing you for something else. Oh, friends, at the end of the road, we're going to sing Amazing Grace like we've never sang before. When we see it was through trials and it was through troubles and, and, they, and, and, and yet somehow it should have taken us down. But God was there just in time. And that's the faithfulness of God. So He doesn't stop those things from coming our way. Sometimes He allows them to come our way. So, and, and, and as, as that little eagle in the nest, you know, that's how we are. But I'll tell you what, as you come along in life, sometimes you, you go and all of a sudden you're going through a trial and, and you stop and you say, thank you, Lord. I know this is going to be good for me. I know this is going to work out something for my benefit. And you might pray that for a while and then after a while you go back to boohooing again. We're all human. But thank God, we, we, we've learned to trust Him and we've learned to recognize how He works and how He does things. And so, you know, here, here they're talking and David's saying, let the redeemed of the Lord say so when He's redeemed from the hand of the enemy. He's gathered them out of the lands. And, and in verse 4 he says, they wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. Verse 5, they were hungry and thirsty and their soul fainted. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them out of their distresses. And he says, and he led them forth by the right way that they may go to a city of habitation. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness. Amen. Brother just sent me a testimony of being on vacation and coming back and some trouble in the house. And, and he said, but all is good. <laughs> and I shared that with my wife because we had a leak too. Yeah, and, and, and I said, look at this attitude. I said, isn't this good? <laughs> uh, I guess so. <laughs> Thank God for everything that he sends. There is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. And then he goes on and he says in verse 10, such as sit in darkness, they're in the shadow of death. They're bound in affliction and iron. They rebel against the words of God and condemn the counsel of the Most High. He brings, their, he brings them down their heart with labor and they fall down. There's none to help. And they cried unto the Lord in their trouble and He saved them out of their distresses. He brings them out of darkness, the shadow of death, and He breaks their bands in asunder. Oh, that men would praise God for His goodness and for the wonderful works. Now you can follow this cycle through. It's in verses 1 to 7, verses 8 to 15. You know, we could, you can go right from verses 7 to, let's just read it a little bit more, 17. Fools, because of their transgressions, because of their iniquities, are afflicted. Their soul abhorreth all manner of meat, and they, they draw near unto the gates of death. They cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and He saves them out of their distresses. He sent His word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. David goes right down through this whole thing. 
Let's just pick it up near the end, verse 39. Again, they are minished and brought low through oppression and affliction and sorrow, and he pours contempt upon the princes and causes them to wander in the wilderness where there is no way. Yet he setteth he the poor on high from affliction and maketh him families like a flock. The righteous shall see it and rejoice. All iniquity shall stop her mouth. And he summarizes it all in verse 33. Whoso is wise and will observe these things, even they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. If you ever listen to the life story of Brother Branham, and it's, it's a good thing to listen to when you're driving down the road and you just listen to it. And I've listened to it a number of times, but I don't think there's a time I can get through it as you enter into it and you recognize God had his hand on that man. But the struggles of life that were upon him and the groanings and the hard things that he had to go through and, and to the times of despair where he wanted to kill himself and, and, and it brought him to such a place. And you just, you can't help but that. And you hear that. And then you go all the way over into Shalom in 1964. And Brother Bram says, why did God take my wife like that? Why did he take my baby from under me? Why did these things happen? I didn't know it back then, he says, but I know it today. And he says, he had to form me and make me. Friends, we don't see that in the middle of something. We don't know what he's doing. But I'll tell you, there's not a people on the face of the earth like the bride. The bride understands this is not our home. It's not about temporal gain. It's about eternal value. It's about something that God is doing, something beautiful in my life. I think, Sister Naomi, were you playing that at the beginning of the service? Something beautiful. You know what? I, I just look at it. We don't see it. But it's God doing it. Now, let's just go a little further with this. Psalms 119. Just jump back, if you will, or ahead to it now. And, and David would go a little further. You know, if you read some of his times of affliction... But he makes a statement here, and let's just read verse 89. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Thy faithfulness is unto all generations. Thou hast established the earth, and it abideth. They continue this day according to thine ordinances, for all are thy servants. And he says this, unless the law had been my delight, I should have perished in my affliction. And I, I, I just reflected on this, and, you know, we, we, we sure appreciated the meetings, Brother Andrew Spencer, Brother Ron. But the last message Brother Ron spoke on the music is greater than the struggle. I've, I've just, it's come to me time and time again. And I, and, I, and I write, it's not about me, it's not about what I think and who I am and, and, and where, where I am in all of this, but it's what is God doing? What is he desiring? I'm in your hands, Lord. I, I, I want to lay my life before you. And, and it's a continual surrender. 
And as, as we're before God in that way, it's not about me. It's not about it. It's Lord. What is the music? What is the symphony saying? What is the beat saying at this moment? Let me give myself to it. Because as Brother Ron would so aptly describe it in that service, he'd say, no musician comes there and, and comes there with his own sheet music. They're coming to play the sheet music, and they're joining together. And I say, it's a great thing. We can't see it all the time. I'll tell you what, you, you, I've always, when I, when I was young, I've always enjoyed to listen to some sage of the gospel. So I, I'm just looking around. So Brother Glenn, I'm going to have to pick on you because, you know, you're, you're the oldest one I can see. <laughs> Brother Greg, sorry, Brother Greg Wokolchuk. And I, I just, I look at it and I go, look at the things. If you want to talk about some things that somebody's gone through, talk about, a, there's a couple there. Talk, if Brother Harold were here and, and you talk about some things, you know, I, I, I've watched sometimes, you know, and, and we'll come to pray and, 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 you know, there's a situation. Gathering all those thoughts. Now coming into prayer. Gathering everything that God has done. And it's all for that moment. I don't know everything God's doing, but there's coming a time, there's coming a moment when God's going to show a glory and, and a greatness that we can't even fathom. But if we could just stand still, if we could just recognize what he's doing right now is going to play out such a beautiful music. It's going to play out and it'll be written across the stage for eternity. Amen. I'm saying this to encourage you. David would say, because I loved your law, therefore, therefore I, I can, it kept me. Because it wasn't about me. At the end of the day, there's times I've actually prayed, and, I, and, and these prayers didn't come on the mountaintop. But these prayers come, Lord, if I'd ever be a deceiver, just kill me before I'd ever cause anybody. Lord, if I'd ever be Anyone that would cause grief or division, Lord, just take me off the scene. Where did those prayers come? They came in times of great agony. David is talking about how, and, and I, I didn't know if I kept it. Here it is. Because he loved the law. Now listen, listen this isn't a message he cares for you. And Brother Brandon would say, God cared for Elijah... Because Elijah cared for God. All the other preachers had lost the vision of the day. They'd lost the will of God and the love of his word. And all went modern. No matter how much that modern Jezebel did and all these things, the lady of the land, the other preachers compromising. But Elijah called them out. He cared for what God said. And God cared for Elijah because he cared for his word. And I'll say this, there is nothing more precious to me than this blessed book, than the Bible, and the message that God has given. And I'll say this, make this your delight. Make this your very essence of being. And God will stand for you. Stand for God. Stand for principle. Oh, friends, I'm so sick of the softness of this age. I'm so tired of excuses and, and things I can't do and I can't. Yes, you can. Put 
God first. Put him in your heart. I'm tired of politicians. I'm tired of all these things. Don't let that come in here. I'm a Christian soldier. I'm on business for the king. I'm standing against these things. If Elijah stood, then I as a minister under Elijah, I will stand. As a believer, I will stand. We need to forget about what the age thinks. Sunday I'll... I'll bring some things to you that are just, this world is ready for the wrath of God. He says, it looked like Elijah would be starved to death, no tithes or offerings, but God so cared for Elijah because he cared for God. I'll tell you this, you put God first. And there's a statement, there's a quote. Show me a man. Show me a woman. Show me a housewife. Show me a young person that will put God first in everything. And I'll show you a man that will be successful in spite of everything that the devil will throw at him. Now, I need to move along. Elijah was a prophet, and and God used prophets in the Bible, and the prophets were signs to their age and their generation. I I wanted to really get into dispensations, but I'm going to side skirt that for tonight, but these prophets were signs, and these prophets couldn't pick. It was Ezekiel was a sign to, to Israel, and Ezekiel lived in the time of the captivity, and he was among those, and, and he said, and he, and he told, God would tell Ezekiel, he says, now in the sight of Ezekiel, take your stuff and, and move it and put it in a place, and, and he says, for a sign to the people of God for what I'm doing, and, and so Ezekiel couldn't help but live out what God gave him. He couldn't help but express the word, neither can we ex- stop but express what God has put in us. It's real, it's alive, it's, it's got to be expressed. Amen. And Ezekiel was one like that, and it was Isaiah who was a prophet, and he was told to lay on his side for over 300 days. Now, could you imagine almost a year, lay on this side, and, and you have to lay without clothes, he was naked, and now go lay on the other side. You're a sign to Israel. Now just think about it. Jesus Christ was in all the prophets. He was in Moses, a type of a lawgiver. He was in Elijah. He was in he was in 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 in, in all these prophets. But I want to just bring it down. You know, I think Isaiah was sawn asunder at the end. But they couldn't stop what was in them. Let's go to the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter one. Now I need to put this in context, so as you turn there, Brother Mark, maybe don't put this up, but I'm going to ask you just to turn to the PowerPoint for a moment. So if you stay at Jeremiah chapter 1. Now I want to just show this for a moment, just to give you a setting of, of where this is all. 
This is Israel in the time of David. All the 12 tribes were in there. This was the land that God had given them, you know, from one river to the other. He said, this is your land. And he told them that. And it was under the time of David that David had a desire to build a house for the Lord. And, and it was not under David, but it was under Solomon that that desire began to be expressed. And under Solomon, Israel was in its glory. It was in its height. It was Jerusalem was looked upon by all the nations. And, and, and yet, you know, with all of this prosperity... And, and it would even start with Solomon himself. And, and, and God had given warnings for a king not to have too many wives. And for a king, the less they turn his heart. And not to have idols. But yet, Solomon, despite all the wisdom and despite the place, his heart was turned. And I, I just say that as a, uh, to us, I, no matter what position I'm, you're in, and I include myself, don't ever let your heart trust in your time, I'm in the message, I'm, I've been serving God. No, yeah, let your heart always be tender. You've got to continually go back to the altar. You've got to continually find yourself humbled in the sight of God. And, and the greater you go with God, the smaller you become. The, more, the less of self and the more of Him. And I'll say that ought to be your desire. I don't want to see myself, I want to see Him. So this was the kingdom in its height. And this was the glory of the temple of Solomon when God would come down. But Israel, they, they just became a business just to take the sacrifice. And it became a stench in Jehovah's nostrils. And, and God finally had to deal with them. And I want to just show you this. So the next thing we see is a picture of Jerusalem and the walls being burned, and captives being led to Babylon. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. The Jewish people are a very proud people. We have Jehovah. We have God. And they had everything. But God had to bring them to their knees. He had to humble them. He had to bring them down to nothing. Now, I, I, I've got to bring this part as I, I want to get into a little bit more of, of, of the whole time of, 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 of bringing back to a restoration. But this is a part of it. There was a reason they had to go into it. So they had to go into it. So from Jerusalem, these captives had to take a long journey for months over to Babylon, which was in Iraq, which is now ruins and, and such but I, I want to take this, and I, I had this up last time. This is a, might be hard for some of you to see. If you can focus the camera on that, and don't just, just let everybody see it as much as possible. This is a chronological order of the Old Testament. You read the books, they're not always in the right order, but this is according to time. So you see Genesis, Exodus, Numbers. Uh, you see Deuteronomy, Leviticus, all in here. Joshua, Judges, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings. These are some of the prophets that existed in 1 Kings, Joel, Micaiah, Isaiah, Zephaniah, Habakkuk. In, in, in the time also there was Amos and Hosea, there was Jonah, Nahum, Obadiah. And then these are the chronicles which kind of duplicate what's told in the Kings. And then there's the Psalms, there's the Proverbs, there's the Ecclesiastes. But, but this, it comes up to this point. And this becomes a very definitive point 
where you see that gap. Now, I know not everybody can see this, but this is now 70 years of exile. And they're going now into a space where they're being put into the hands of a foreign nation. They're being put into captivity. But before they ever do, and, and in captivity, there was Daniel there. And you know, it's just been on our hearts, Brother Andrew and different ones. We've just been focused on Daniel and what was in Daniel as he was in captivity and as he came out of it and the attitude and the way the Spirit of God dealt with him. And then there was Ezekiel. And Ezekiel, you know, if, if you can place these books where they are in the time of God dealing, it helps us to understand how God deals with us also, not just in this age, but in our lives. Because He deals with every one of us. And so, and then what you don't see is Jeremiah. Jeremiah, you just see the lamentations, but Jeremiah existed just before they went into captivity. And he was under the book of 2 Kings, and there was different... Uh, kings that he was there. But Jeremiah was already in the spirit beginning to catch what God was going to do in the 70 years to come. Yeah. And, and so this is Jeremiah's lot. He, he was born a prophet. He couldn't help but express what God told him. Friends, the world is about to go into a tribulation. Yeah. We can't help not just to sit on the sidelines, but it's got to be in our hearts say, Oh God, we're living at this junction. Let us catch the severity of the time we're in. Amen. Friends, the world is, is it's all about business and the market and what's the job and what's the economy and am I going to get my Serb check? Am I going to get this? These things will all pass. But right now, there are souls that are hanging in the balance. There are souls that need to be saved. Our lives need to be made ready. And there's an urgency when we see where we are. Now, I want you to catch the Spirit of God. I, I put this up so you could see where Jeremiah fell in this. And, and it was just, you can turn that off and you can go to Jeremiah 1. So this is where Jeremiah came. And he couldn't help but be what God told him to be. Now let's just read Jeremiah chapter 1. We'll go there. <clears throat> I love the Word of God. And uh, I appreciate all the things that we can see. Friends, we're not living in that time. God allowed us to live in this time. But... There are parts of God, and uh, again, it's another direction for a service, but there's parts he left in unfulfilled. But they speak, parts of it are brought forward to our time. And we, by inspiration, pick them up and begin to live it out for the age we're in. So Jeremiah chapter 1, these are the words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, the priest that were in such and such a place, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, 
the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign. It came also in the days of Jehoiam, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, into the end of the eleventh year, and Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the carrying away of Jerusalem, captive in the fifth month. So Jeremiah had this space of time just before they were going in. Now, it, it, it very clearly shows where he is. Now, there's, there's parts of Jeremiah that I really want to pick up in future services. So please, if you're listening, just don't miss this. Now, here's his call. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee to be a prophet unto the nations. Now that was to Judah, to Israel, to Babylon. It was to those that were there. He was to be God's voice. God's thoughts are always expressed through a prophet. Now look at here's a man. He says, ah. This is his first words. Back to the Lord. Then he said, ah. Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, say not, I am a child. But thou shalt go to all that I send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Friends, we've had a prophet in this generation. A prophet who didn't listen to what the nation said, to what the religious move said. And I receive the words of the prophet. And he says, whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. I'll tell you what, there's not been a messenger like the one we've had. Now he has to tell them a few words. Be not afraid of their faces. In other words, I don't think every time he got up behind the pulpit, they were all going, I wonder what he's going to say. No. How'd you like to face that? Well, we get a little bit of that, we get a little bit of both. So <laughs> you could say, Amen or ouch, whatever you want to say. But he says, be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. And the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out, to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, to build, and to plant. Now, before you can get to building and planting, there's about four or five other things that got to happen first. So this is where the benefit of lamentations come in. Now he says, first of all, you're over the nations and kingdoms. You're going to root out. You're going to pull down. You're going to destroy. And you're going to throw down. Now, to a lot of people, the message looks like, man, is that what you guys like to listen to? No, there's a benefit at the end of this. There's something. It's not for our destruction. It's for our edification. It's God's goodness that's doing this. How many times have I listened to a message and I felt, oh God, I, I, I'm undone. I'm undone. And then Brother Branham would come and the Spirit of God comes behind it and he says, oh, such a scouring message. Let's just sing. I love him. And it just starts to bathe. And oh, God. Oh, friends, let's never lose that. 
There's a tendency, you know, to come in the message, we're the bride, we're this, we're this. That's true. But you can't bypass these other things. It still takes a new birth. It still takes a repentance. And I'm not just talking the sinner. I'm talking saint and sinner alike. Joel prophesies, let the ministers weep between the porch and the altar. Let them cry out. The ministers include fathers and mothers and pastors and ministers. They include those that pray and sigh and cry. I, I, I could read part of this, but I'm going to have to keep my thought going. From You can read about the almond tree. I may come back to it, but verses 11 to 13. But he's talking about the rod of a tree, and then he talks about a pot. It's a seething pot, and there's a face coming to the north. Verse 14, he says, And the Lord said unto me, Out of the north an evil shall bring forth all the inhabitants of the land, for I will call all the families of the kingdoms of the north, saith the Lord, and every one shall, every, and they shall come, and they shall set every one of his throne at the entering of the gates of Jerusalem, and against all the walls thereof round about, and against all the cities of Judah, and I will utter my judgments against them. Now, if you saw these visions and you had to tell them in the service, ah, what, what, what kind of a task is that? But there's moments we all have to do something. Ministers have to do something. We have to do it for our families as, parents, as husbands and, 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 and as, as fathers and as mothers, as, for our children. There's times that we, you have to just, okay, I don't like doing this, but I've got to do it. And then there's times we have to look at our own lives. And I'll tell you what, many times we deceive ourselves. It's actually Jeremiah that said, lean not on the arm of flesh. That means, you know, don't, don't make this about the whole, the church. Make this about between you and God. Don't make this about, uh, uh, you know, because we can... We can and, 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 and in Jeremiah 10, he goes into different language when he talks about it, but he just says, and he, and he would just says, don't, deceive, don't be deceived. In other words, we, we, can, we can build up a, a thing in our mind and say, yeah, I'm going to heaven, it's there, and, but we don't really realize the gravity of where we're at. And it's just a dream, and it's and, and like, okay, I'll just float around. You know, when we really... Recognize and, and so Jeremiah is one of these that has to really live out and, and has to show the people and he has to show them and they have to recognize that, that God, it, this is touching God in, in a way that, 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 you know, this is God literally just, just beginning to sigh and cry. You know, the very same one that was at, 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 on the hill overlooking Jerusalem Oh, Jerusalem, that same God lived in Daniel. And that same God lives today in Laodicea when he spoke to a people. And he says, repent. That's the zeal of the hour. Now listen, I'm not getting a lot of rejoicing. and I know it's not that kind of thing, but it's a part of our life. So he says, 
In verse 16, I will utter my judgments against them, touching their wickedness. They have forsaken me. They have burned incense unto other gods. They have worshipped the works of their own hands. Now he, God's telling him what he has against them. Now therefore, gird up thy loins and arise and speak unto them all that I command thee. Now he has to tell them this again. He says, be not dismayed at their faces. <laughs> you know, at one place I think he says, they've made their faces like flint, like stone. I mean, how, do, how, how can you say amen when you're a stone? You can't say it. I'll tell you what, if the word hits you for good or for bad, say amen. Agree with the word. It'll do something for you. So this is Jeremiah. He's expressing all of this. Now, I, I, I'm going to just flip over to the Lamentations of Jeremiah, which is written by Jeremiah. Go over to Lamentations chapter 1. And, you know, how often did we see Brother Branham, and he would talk about God never sends man to judgment without first warning them. How often did, it, you know, did he say about America, he says, if God doesn't destroy America, he'll have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, how'd you like to go across the nation with that message? Repent, Los Angeles. Those words still echo. I don't know if you saw the articles this last week. But there's been a swarm of earthquakes around Los Angeles. They said it's, it's on levels that they've, they've not even considered. And usually when there's a swarm, it has all the scientists asking, could this be the big one? It's going to happen. You think the world's going to be different after COVID? Yes, it will. It'll be really different after that. That's impending. So in, in the Lamentations, you know, you can read, I, I won't read this, but if you have a chance, but this really becomes now his private moments, his prayer times, his expressions. It's not, not so much his preaching, but he, he's just slain in the spirit, and he's saying, oh, this city sits solitary that was full of people. She's become a widow. She was great amongst the nations, a princess, but she's become a tributary. She weeps sore. You know, he just goes into Judah's gone into captivity. The, the ways of Zion do mourn, and all this, this, this gone to such and such, and he just, he's just bleeding. He's literally bleeding. And, and it's really the Spirit of God weeping through the prophet. There's times that, if, if you really get in prayer sometimes, that you can't help but be the same way. I, I shared the story on Sunday of our neighbors where a family of five was suddenly had the mother tragically ripped from them. And I hear more of the story, and they were just coming from camping, and they stopped by the family farm. They had some chicks they were bringing home. I remember the chicks. We saw them. And she stopped to pick them up and went with her daughter and then headed down the highway, and that's when she hit the moose. I, I look. Life is so brief. When I heard it, I just about cried out, Lord, take me! It's, it's just... I'll tell you what, this never would have had to be 
it wasn't for sin in the first place. Hear the story of a doctor in Red Deer. Patient comes in and brutally kills him. The world is tipping, tipping insanity. I tell you what, if, if it's a bit sobering, let it be. I'm not trying to make it woe. I, I, I believe we, we should, you know, like if, if Jeremiah in the time, he had, there was something in him. You know, I remember Ernie Fandler, he was talking about how he was in a motel room in Chicago. He was in the middle of Chicago, but Ernie Fandler was a man who lived in the time of Brother Branham. And he had, it was in the early days, it wasn't really anything known as the message. And he'd gone into a film and watched a documentary in a theater. And it was on, it was from Africa somewhere. And it showed in there how these people took these children into slavery and did things. And, and he, it so grieved him. And he went back to his motel room and he just was weeping and crying. And, and he couldn't hardly get to sleep. And he's in the middle of Chicago and nobody knows it. And all of a sudden the phone rings. And the phone rings and said, this is Brother Branham. He says, God has heard your prayers. You can go to sleep now. Friends, there's a spirit of God. I'll tell you what, we, when we talk about Ezekiel 9, Ezekiel 9 was written while Ezekiel was in tribulation. And in he wrote, he saw a man with an inkhorn. He says, mark those that sigh and cry for the abominations done in the city. It was all in this time frame. And, and, and this, is, this is now, you think about the junction that was in Israel, think about the junction that we're at. Now, I, I'm not going to major on this all the time, but it's a part of it. It's a part of the picture. Now, Jeremiah, he goes on through chapters 1 and 2, but let's go to chapter 3 in Lamentations. And now look at how it affects him. He says, I am the man that has seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. He's led me and brought me into darkness, but not into light. Surely against me as he turned, he turned his hand against me all the day. My flesh and my skin hath he made old. He hath broken my bones. He hath builded against me and encompassed me with gall and travail. I could read this all the way down. But this became very personal. Grievous. And, and, and let, let me just stop there for a moment. I read this to you about, out of the autobiography of Spurgeon. But Spurgeon, in, in the chapter written through much tribulation, he talks about his own conversion, but he talks about the numerous times that he went into prayer through travail of spirit and soul. And he says, sometimes for himself, he said, if we have any power to console the weary. It is the result of our remembrance of what we once suffered. We've known the awfulness of sin. There's times where I felt like, I don't even know. I remember a time in my life, I don't even know. I felt like I'd become a Christian. I did something that wasn't right. And I felt like, have I had the unpardonable sin? And I fasted and prayed for three days because I didn't know where I was. And I remember I was in Ottawa in a motel, in an apartment suite in the basement, and I opened up the SEALs message. 
And there, Brother Branham, I remember it was in maybe the seals or one of the other messages. And he said, if you have a desire for God, it shows you haven't crossed the line. Oh, friends, I started lifting my hands and weeping. I said, thank you, God. But I'll tell you what, it inscribed something in me. It did something in me. That I said, oh, don't let me come close to that line. Don't let me live on that line. But it has to be experienced by someone. And he said, if we have any power, it's because of what we once suffered. Here lies our power to sympathize. If we look down with scorn on the boastings of vain, self-conceited man, it is because our own vaunted strength has failed us and made us contemptible in our own eyes. It's so easy to get a religious spirit. Oh, I'm better than they. Right then, we're in the wrong place. If we can plead with ardent desire for the souls of fellow men, if we can feel more than a common passion for the salvation, if we can attribute it, it's in no small degree because we have been smitten with sin. And therefore, knowing the terror of the Lord, we are constrained to persuade men. How could Paul plead with Agrippa? Because he'd been that close to it. Let me be very honest with you right now. It was about 10 years, 11 years ago, I had a cancer. It was a tumor in my leg. Just a little hard spot. By the time I got it out, it was hard. And by the grace of God, you all prayed and I prayed. And I thank God for it. And then I appreciate, I never was in a hospital. I'd never gone through an operation. I'd, I would have had feared those things, but I don't fear those things. And I can come and I can pray for somebody. But there's another part of the story I've, I've rarely ever shared. I know why it came on me. Because I wasn't in the place I should have been. And I was doing things I shouldn't have done. And it was God afflicting me. Say, so Brother Ed, you're a preacher. Yeah, I'm a preacher. But I'm telling you, it was that reason. And I knew it. And I'll tell you what, it's very deep and it's very sacred to me. And I don't say it to many people. But whenever I find myself in a road that way, I say, there's a, there's, I've got enough of a little bit of a hard spot and a thing that it sometimes, if I sit too long or something, it hardens up. And I remember, oh, yes, Lord, that was you. I bear in my body the marks of the hand of the master. And I'll tell you what, I'm grateful for it. I'm thankful for it. Because it's inscribed something into me that I I don't don't want to go down that road. And I'll just, if, if we're actually honest, if we can be very honest before God, friends, sometimes he's dealing with us and we, 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 we don't recognize it for what it is. But I'll tell you what, it brought me to a depth where my soul was transparent before God. I actually shared out of Psalms 119, I was in another church, and I, I shared the scripture, it is out of Psalms 119, it says, before I was afflicted, I went astray. Because that was part of my testimony. But I said, thank you for the affliction, Lord. And it, it, it keeps me a little closer. 
keeps me a little more fervent. And I say, Lord, if I need a little bit of that, some chastening, thank you, Lord. Can you say that? You know, it was, I could read more for what he says here. But let me read this little bit. Spurgeon says, a spiritual experience that is thoroughly flavored with a deep and better sense of sin is of great value to him that had it. It is terrible in the drinking, but it is wholesome in the bowels and in the whole of the afterlife. If you know what it was like to be a sinner, to be wretched, and you know where you're at today, I'll tell you what, I love him. I love him because he first loved me. And it's because I have that love that I also have a burden. Because I, I, I see confessions that just become dry-eyed. I see experiences that just become, let's go to church. Listen, I'm, I'm not judging anyone. I'm, I'm just saying we all have our moments of our highs and lows, our ups and downs. But I'll say the song that we heard sung, the, brother, the last song Brother Jeff sang, oh, that first love that once burned. Ephesians fell from it, but this bride will not fall from it. This bride will stay in that love. And I say, oh God, bring me back to it. Bring it to whatever it has to be. My, oh my. Let's go. We've got a few minutes left. Let's go to the book of Ezra, if you will. I could have read from, from Corinthians. Corinthians where Paul, the, there was a man in the church, had, had, his, had a relationship with, with somebody else, a relative, and Paul had to rebuke them. But Paul comes back a few verses later, and he says, Oh, what zeal! Oh, what repentance! You have approved yourself. You know, we need to call out sin. Let's not pity-patty around this age of political correctness. Sin is sin. Bad attitudes and words that are said. Let's, let's have a sacredness and a reverence and a holiness. I'll, I'll just, you stay with Ezra, but I'll just read. But, it, but he would say, Paul would say to the Corinthians, if you're afflicted, it's for your consolation and salvation. And it's effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we suffer. Whether we be comforted is for your consolation and salvation. You can read 2 Corinthians chapter 1. You can read what Paul writes there. But I'll tell you what. We go through things. Ezra. If we go to the book of Ezra. Now, I, I've, I've hardly touched on it. But if you take... Daniel and the Spirit coming out. I, I'm, I'm going to have to, Daniel. Jeremiah and the Spirit coming out under the kings. And it was Jeremiah that said, you'll be 70 years in captivity. And, and so then you read Daniel, and you, you read where he was in captivity. He actually picks up the same spirit that Jeremiah had. At the end of 68 years, 
And he says, oh God, we have sinned. We have done, and he's picking, you read Daniel, I think it's Daniel chapter 10 or 9, but you read where it's, I understood by books, and you read, he just labors. God, we've done, we've not been right. We've not done things right. It's essential in the restoration. The breaking down, the pulling down, the pulling down, before God can build up again. It's essential. Sometimes God has to take us. I, I didn't have time to get in today, but Jeremiah chapter 18. Go down to the potter's house. He says, I have to take this vessel. I have to destroy it. And I have to make it new again. Sometimes God has to reconstruct us. Listen, I'm talking to seasoned message believers. I'm talking as preachers. He has to mold us and shape us and take his things out of us. Don't despise the chastening of the Lord. It's not for your destruction. It's for your edification. It's going to help you. You're going to be thankful in the end. Thank God for Brother Harold that called it straight. Thank God for brothers that still call it straight. Thank God for prayer warriors in the church. Thank God for moms and dads that have a standard. Thank God for teenagers that want the standard. So Chronicles was the time, but Ezra now became the coming out. And Ezra was a priest, and I'm just going to have to jump ahead a little bit in here. But Ezra comes out, and, and he was the priest, and he leads them out. He was sort of the spiritual leader. And he begins to come into the, into the new land after the 70 years. And he, and he comes in, and, and I, I need to just maybe pick up uh, where Ezra finally comes in and he takes the scribes, he reads the books, he starts to do all of these things, and then he starts to read in, in verses, let me go to chapter, you can read chapter 10, let's go to chapter 9, Ezra chapter 9, and finally, he talks about when he comes into the land, and he says, the princes came to me, because came to there was a remnant that was stayed in the land. The people of Israel, the priests, the Levites, they have not separated themselves from the people of the lands. They have done according to their abominations, even the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, all these others. For they have taken of their daughters for themselves and for their sons. So the holy seed has been mingled themselves with the people of those lands. Yea, the hand of the Lord and the princes and the rulers have been chief in this trespass. So now he's talking not just about the, the people, but he says the rulers. It's become a way of life. You know, Brother Adam would speak in the Sardesian church age. He said the messengers that came to every age, they came to correct the church, not just the laity, but the clergy. He says, because they all went astray, he said, shepherds are as wrong as well as sheep. And he says, they had to come and correct it. Now look, look, at, look at the burden that comes on Ezra here. Because he comes under the same spirit of God. It's a, it, it's a burden of, of before God can restore, it has to be a repentance. Verse 3, and when I heard this thing, I rent my garment and my mantle and I plucked off the hair of my head and of my beard and I sat down astonished. And they were trembled unto everyone that trembled at the words of the God of Israel because of the transgression of those that had been carried away. And I sat astonished until the evening sacrifice. Now he's coming out to restore. I'm going to make everything new. You know, da, da, da. But hey, 
look at what you've done. You've mixed. You've gone with the ways of the land. You've made marriages. You've done these things. It's the rulers and it's the priests too. And at the evening sacrifice, I arose from my heaviness and having rent my garment on my mantle, I fell on my knees and spread my hands out unto the Lord God. Oh my God, I am ashamed and I blush to lift up my face to thee, O God, for our iniquities are increased unto over our head and our trespass is grown up into the heavens. I won't have time to read all of this, but you read Daniel chapter 9 10. You read Ezra chapter 9 and 10. And you read how a man of God has the load of sin and the recognition of the awfulness of God. And he's crying out to God. Friends, pick up some messages that the prophet reads. A blushing prophet. Read some, listen to this and I'll say, the prophet was under a burden. Let's, let's, let's not just leave that on the shelf somewhere. We ourselves, not everybody has the same burden, but we are, there ought to be something in us when we see things that we can't take it. I'm going to be honest with you. I can't listen to the news. I can't. I don't even want to. I'm going to make another confession. I don't care about sports. I used to love sports. It doesn't matter anymore. I'll tell you what, there's a lot of things that don't matter anymore. It, it, why? I go, is this just Brother Ed, you're just getting old and, and people, no, I'm not. I'm getting younger all the time. So whatever you think, forget it. Throw it out. I'm looking to go home. And I'll just say this. Before we go, there might be some things we got to go through. The prophet went through things. We may have to go through things. Let's be Christian soldiers. Let's be real men and women of God. Let's have services where there's a calling on God. Not just drifting in. But I'm here for church, Lord. I'm here to have church with you. I'm calling on your name, Lord. Chapter 10, verse 1. And when Ezra had prayed... And when he had confessed, weeping and casting himself down before the house of God, there assembled unto him out of Israel a very great congregation of men and women and children, for the people wept very sore. And Shenekiah, the son of Jehoah, one of the sons of Elam, said, We have trespassed against our God. We have taken strange wives of the people of the land. Yet now there is hope in Israel concerning this thing. I don't often say this from the pulpit, but I'll say it this time. Good friend of mine, a minister friend of mine, Brother Andrew's father, Brother Tim Dodd, spoke two messages recently on masculinity and femininity. And I'll say they're worthwhile listening to. And if you're a son or daughter of God, you'll say, I'm not going to put pressure on you, but there ought to be something in you. No matter what the age is, no matter what their thinking is, we are the real, we are the absolute. And I'll say it's worthwhile. I could never preach it like it was preached, and I think it was perfect. But I say it was good, and it was good for me, and it washes me, and it cleanses me, and it, it ought to be good for every home. So if you have a chance, listen to it. That's a commercial message. Now we'll go back to the service. We'll call the musicians. How's that? Okay? We're just about done here. I, I want to just pick up this little part because 
Uh, I better save this. But let me just go over to Ezra, back to Ezra chapter 5, verse 1. We talked about Jeremiah being a prophet. But Ezra chapter 5, verse 1. Ezra had to withstand a lot of things in the age. But listen to this. While he was there, the prophets Haggai, the prophet, and Zechariah, the son of Hido, prophesied unto the Jews that were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel, even unto them. And so when they prophesied, it actually encouraged Zerubbabel. You know what? I'll tell you what. We need a prophet. We need to hear the voice from heaven. We need to hear that. Ezra chapter 6, verse 14. You find there was some opposition in verse 14. And the elders of the Jews builded. So now they're rebuilding. And they prospered through the prophesying of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Edo. And they builded and they finished it according to the commandment of the God of Israel. How did they do it? Through a prophetic voice. How did you stand in this age? Because God sent a prophet. He sent an anointing. And when I listened to it, it caused all other voices. And that voice alone is the voice that I want to listen to. And one last scripture, brother. I didn't give you those last ones, brother Mark, but Lamentations chapter 3, because I have to finish with the title of what I spoke from. After Jeremiah goes through all of these things, and then he comes to verse 21. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. He sitteth alone and keepeth silence. Because he hath borne it upon him. Is there, is there a lamentation? Let me cause and reflect on my ways. Does it serve any good? Yes, it does. Is there times when you go in prayer and you're automatically just rebuking the enemy? You know, there's times you're there, Lord, search me, seek me, try me, see if there be any wicked way in me. Is it good to have those moments? Absolutely. We all need them. This is where we make our peace with God. This is the altar we must all come to. Shall we stand together? My hope is in the Lord. My hope is in the Lord.
sing that song that you sang at the end. Lord, you're beautiful. That's it. Oh, Lord, you're
just change the order a little bit. I'd like to sing also, Master, we are here. We are here for you. And as we sing this, I wanted to just, we're going to go into prayer. Brother Ray, I'd like you to come and pray for us if you wouldn't mind. There's a truth to what we spoke tonight. You can't, you can't make yourself that way, but you can create an atmosphere where you get close to God. And sometimes you find yourself living these things out. Not because we want to weep and we want to cry. We want to, but you can't help it. Because the very Spirit of God that lives in you is expressing itself. There's still a weeping of the Lamb of God. But it's very quickly turning to the wrath of God. And not just the wrath of God because we think, but the wrath of the Lamb. God's mercy only runs so far. We're coming to a time where listen to souls that are in prison. That moment is close. I, I don't, I'm not trying to work up anything here, but I want us just to be, Lord, what would you have me to do? Lord, is there something in my life? Is there something? You know, I believe if we search, God, God's willing to help us. If you know there's something you're just struggling with, just give it to Him. Let's sing this chorus. Master, we are here. Then I'd like to have Brother Ray come and pray for us. Master. Master. 